Hi guys, this is the Faces Podcast with me, Annabelle, and my co-host, Julia. And today, we're with the wonderful Wande. Hi guys, it's so good to be back after a fairly long winter break. And it's so good to have you, Wande, with us. Um, could you maybe introduce yourself shortly to our listeners who don't know you yet? Of course. Thank you both, Annabelle and Julia, for having me. Um, like I said to you earlier, it's such an honor to be invited to speak with both of you um, from... LSE isn't quite my alma mater, but one of the schools that I did go to, so it's nice to connect with, with students back there. So my name is Wande Abbe. I currently live in Paris. I work for LVMH. And I, for the last year, have been playing two roles. I've been working within the strategy group, but also leading the marketing communications for a brand called Fenty, which is a luxury fashion brand that was just started in 2019 by LVMH. Um, Prior to moving to Paris in 2019, I was living in London, working at McKinsey and Company, and I'd worked at McKinsey at that point for five years with a break in between to go to business school. Um, so I had started at McKinsey in Nigeria, and it was at the point when they were opening their office. It was super exciting, you know, just being part of a startup, but still part of a corporate organization, or I should say a professional services, because they wouldn't quite call themselves corporate. Um, and I did that for a few years. I went to business school in the US, which was wonderful and a super exciting adventure. And then went back to McKinsey. But by the time that I was leaving in 2018, I recognized that I needed to really know myself and understand what it was that I wanted and what I saw as a professional career for myself. And And at that point, I didn't feel that McKinsey was it. And I think that I was actually going through a lot of emotional, mental challenges at that point. Um, and so it was a really good point to, to step away and walk away. Um, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity and the experience that I had there. But I think taking back a little bit of my my life, my, you know, control around the things I wanted to do and the way that I see hopefully my career progressing was really helpful for my overall well-being. That's so nice. Wow. Wow. That sounds truly It's quite impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scary. It's, uh, it's not always, I mean, it's never easy, I think, but, um, I think one of the things that I realized at that point was that I had to choose myself. Um, and, I wasn't doing that enough while I, was at, while I was at McKinsey. I think some people do it brilliantly when they're there, but I, I hadn't quite managed to do it. And so I, I took a step back and said, who, who am I? And what would choosing one day look like um, in my life? Oh, that's so inspiring. Yes. Yeah. I feel like there are very few people who dare to think like do, like you do and who mm. actually stand up for themselves and choose themselves. As you said, you chose one day, which is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even recognize... Oh, sorry, you want to say something? No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So just like recognizing that you need to choose yourself and that you are putting yourself behind the work probably. Um, I think that's already very powerful because we often are so caught up in the work that we kind of 
don't even see that we are putting ourselves behind and yeah, on second place. Absolutely. And I think that I, I had done that for a long time and I, I recognized that I was lost. I, I wasn't quite sure I was doing. I was losing confidence in myself. I was, it was all about the work and all about doing the things that I should do or that were expected of me or what I felt to make a good impression on people. And, and it, and that's really hard to sort of live day to day. On the flip side, I think making a choice to go off a certain path is hard as well. You know, I mean, like there will be times where you, you know, see your peers and, you know, people are doing better or people are progressing in the way that you sort of wish that you had. But again, I think like having the wherewithal and people in your life who can remind you and say, okay, listen, that might look good, but that's not for you and you won't be happy. And if you do that, you're not choosing yourself. And if you do that, you are going back into a cycle that's probably not healthy and helpful for you. I think it's super important. And so I, I feel very lucky to have, to have those people in my life who, who remind me and then say, okay, well, you know, your friends just made partner McKinsey but you would have hated it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, definitely. I think it's so important to have people like that in your life because especially being surrounded by so many people that kind of are progressing in that way that might be looked upon as very successful by society. I mean, kind of, especially at universities like LSE, making partner at McKinsey seems to be kind of the goal in a way. So having people that, in your life that don't see that as the ultimate goal, um, which it shouldn't be ultimately in life, um, is, yeah, it's so powerful. And I think you kind of need people to kind of assist you in that way. Just on your own, it's very hard. And yeah. Yeah. And, and again, maybe sort of being able to take a step back and say, well, what does success look like? And what is success for me as a person? And I think, you know, we are brought up through sort of high achievement and, you know, you have to do well, you have to go to the right schools, you have to get the right jobs. And that's what, you know, progressing in that way looks like success. But I think it's really interesting to speak to lots of people who define success in very different ways. Um, And I think my time in Paris has shown me that people really do define success very differently. I mean, people are happy to, you know, work in large organizations and, you know, have their days really defined and know that they're progressing in measured ways. But then they have full lives and they can go home to their children every night and help their children with their homework and, you know, go see their family and their older parents who, who are ailing and, and make sure they can go on holidays and appreciate going on holidays and switching off as opposed to being on holiday, but having to work through the entire holiday. And so I think that that sense of success taking many different forms is, is super important for people to see and understand. And sometimes we're so siloed. And if it's not finance, if it's not consulting, if it's not very typical worldviews, we don't see that. Um, and so I think it's a, even for myself right now, it's still a constant reminder. I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm not completely, you know, overhauled, but I think remembering that, you know, and one of the things that my sister told me when I was sort of battling with the decision to leave McKinsey, she was like, there are many ways to skin a cat. There are many ways to get to wherever you want to be, to what success looks like. So don't be confined with 
either what society has drummed into you or, or the very few avenues that you see, there's always potentially something else. Definitely, I agree. But um, just out of personal interest, why did you choose LVMH then in the end? Or is, does it contribute to your definition of success, which you got right now? Or? Well, it's interesting because... I mean, one of the things that I, now at this point in my life, I stand back and I look at my CV and I say, okay, well, I worked at McKinsey, I worked at LVMH, I went to Harvard, I went to Imperial. I mean, it, it's, it's really like a box ticking of like all of the names that you should do. And, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, who are you outside of these names? Now, I, I can't sit here and say that didn't at all factor into my decision. It wasn't the main thing. I mean, I really wanted, I embraced the experience, I embraced the offer and the experience that I thought it would give me. Um, and it's interesting because sometimes I say to people that if I had given this decision a lot of thought and like really analyzed from A to Z, I may not have decided to take the job. Um, but I love that I was going to into a very new environment, into a master of industry. Um, I was going to up and leave London and move to Paris and learn French, which is still a work in progress. Um, but I love that I was opening myself up to new experiences and a very different worldview from what I'd had before. Now, that wasn't in contrast to my interests and, and personal goals and desires. So I, even whilst I was in McKinsey, I'd worked in consumer goods and consumer products. Mm -hmm. And I'd always been really interested in the, the apparel and fashion categories. And so this was a way for me to see a little bit more of that industry, understand a little bit more around the consumer space, even though it's quite different when you're dealing with luxury versus mass, but it was giving me, the insight from the other side of the mirror um, into an industry that I, I'm, you know, I'm still passionate about and I still love working in. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think we're going to start asking our first question now. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so one day, what is the first thing you do when you wake up? And I'd kind of like to add a little twist, a personal twist to you because um, could you maybe kind of compare what you did first when you woke up, when you were in your consultancy role compared to now? Is it any different? Mm. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, okay. So I think the one constant is like picking up my phone and checking my phone. Right. Because that's sadly the world that we live in. I mean, I don't know if it's a sad thing. It's just the world we live in today. And my phone is my medium for everything. It's, I mean, I don't have a, I don't wear a watch anymore. So it's my time. And, yeah. but, um, so today what I do is I wake up, reach over my phone, look at the time, switch off my alarm, hope that I've woken up at the, the right time. <laughs> and then I open up my Bible app. And so this is something that I've been doing over the last year and, and really trying to do more of it this year. So say the first thing that I do is meditation, like sort of checking in and going back to my spiritual goals and and guidance and just spending 15 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes five minutes and just reflecting on the things that I want to guide me through the day. Um, and I think that whilst I was at McKinsey, I probably wouldn't have done that because the first thing that I would have done would have been to check my email or to make sure that, you know, nothing had 
happened overnight till before I'd woken up or there wasn't some, you know, email. And I think I would have woken up with a lot more anxiety than I do today. And so waking up, you know, reading my Bible, listening to the news, I listen to the, to the BBC podcast every morning and, and those things just sort of stem to me and I'm like, okay, well, I know what's happening in the world. I know what's happening within myself and then I can sort of move on into the world and then hopefully I go on and, and do a workout class. Um, but again, these are things that I would not have done on size of McKinsey. I just wouldn't have given myself the time to do all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I feel like it's so powerful to start with some kind of structure in the day because it just gives you way more structure for the day ahead and you're way more productive, but you also just feel better and feel like prepared for whatever tasks come. But And I, I haven't always done this. I mean, I think again, lots of change has happened in the last two years and in, in me saying this is how I want to start my morning and these are the things that I think are important to me and you know I don't I'm not I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I do this all the time or I follow it super religiously but I do try I think you know I'd say like 90% of my mornings do start off like this and it's the same sort of routine um, and I think just having a little bit of that as you said Julia it does help me to feel even it's even a little bit like feeling like you've had a win before you start your day, you know, because you're just sticking to things that you set yourself up for. Yeah, definitely. No, I think it's, it's very powerful that you put yourself first, literally, in just starting your day with yourself and not with your work. But especially also that you decide you weren't like, oh my God, okay, I'm just going to leave all work behind and just concentrate on myself fully. You still work and you're still successful you chose mm. a path that lets you combine um these two yeah very important areas of your life and kind of yeah. still put yourself first and I think that's a very important notion because many people tend to think there's only these two sides either you you're successful or you're kind of spiritual and mm. you yourself perfectly impersonate that both are very possible well, I hope, I hope so. I mean, I don't, I don't consider myself as, uh, you know, extremely successful or extremely spiritual, but I do see myself as a work in progress on both of those, you know, and, and knowing that both of those things are important to me and that I do want to continue to push ahead in both of those things. So helps me to bring them together. Perfect. Turning to our second question, you already touched upon it, that the people in your life were hugely detrimental in choosing your path and also you yourself. But um, maybe you could elaborate a bit more on what exactly got you where you are right now, because you seem to be in a very happy and good position right now in your life. So yeah, that would be certainly helpful for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think sometimes these questions are a bit hard because I think to myself, you know, can you, sometimes it's easier to sort of look back and say, you know, these are the things that I did, but when you're doing them, when you're living through them, it's not as clear, you know, it's not like you see the path ahead. You almost just sort of barrel through and do what you can. Um, but, but I do know that, you know, the one thing that I, I have tried to take through and I'll talk a little bit around my, like my path is just having resilience to sort of continue in the face of really difficult things. Um, 
And it sort of leads to one of your later questions around sort of my mantra. Um, that resilience to um, sort of push through a really difficult time at, McKin- at the end of McKinsey and say, okay, well, you know, this, is, this doesn't define me. You know, it's very easy to sort of think through like difficult times and think they define you. Or if I think really way back to when I was actually applying to university, I mean, like I, it was a very bizarre situation. So I got sort of straight A's through my A-levels, but it was very difficult to get into university. And I couldn't quite understand what, what the mismatch with a gap was but having that resilience to say no matter what I I know where I should be or where I want to be um and I'm going to try all avenues and make sure that I can do explore all different options to get me where I think I deserve to be or where I want to be um I think that's really helped. Um, and, and look, I think we'll all face really difficult things through our lives, personal lives, professional lives, careers, school, and, and just being able to sort of, you know, get back up and be like, okay, I, I can do this. And it's really hard and I might need help and I might need to talk to someone or I need to have my friend call me, but I can do this. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, I think a second thing is maybe not taking things too seriously, um, which is maybe a good and a bad thing. Because I, I was saying to myself, I was like, if I had taken things way more seriously, maybe I'd be more successful already, but uh, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this sort of feeds into my decision to come to Paris. I mean, it wasn't, you know, if I if I was looking at my life and saying, well, this is where I want to be and I'm not there yet. And, you know, will this take me onto the path? I think I wouldn't have made that decision. And I would have missed out on this beautiful experience of living in a different country and learning a different culture and understanding, you know, what life is like outside of my world of Nigeria or the UK. Um, I think that's helped me and it's helped me in other decisions that I've made in the past. Now there is of course a risk to it in that, you know, you don't want to be too lackadaisical or too, um, what's the word? I mean, you want to take things seriously enough that when important decisions come, you can take them and you're able to make decisions when you can. So I think that's something that's, uh, that I'm still learning being able to make hard decisions very quickly. Um, but this hopefully gets me there. Literally. Um, I think it's a very fine line between not thinking, taking things too seriously and then um, also having kind of the, ser- the, need, yeah, the needed seriousness to then make decisions. And especially in our world where we can literally do anything, there are too many decisions to make. And it's, yeah. I think we've all become kind of more indecisive yeah yeah I also find very annoying about myself but I think it's kind of a broader phenomenon yeah also adding to that just that fine line between having a structure having a plan also in our position knowing where we'll be in five years but that which is basically impossible (laughs) but then still being spontaneous and following our gut and intuition is just seems a lot now or seems to be like quite um challenging nowadays but still seems to be expected from everyone in society so yeah i think it's very very nice that you could that you did follow a plan and you knew what you were doing and looking 
as you just said, like looking at your LinkedIn account, like it makes <laughs> sense and you tick the different boxes, but I'm sure there was so much more behind it and so many spontaneous decisions and gut feelings and intuitions that you want to move to Paris or do whatever your heart tells you. And I think the one isn't possible with without the other and people Absolutely. always seem to be either like ir irrational or like either emotional or rational or spontaneous or super like controlling but that's not how the world works or how, how human beings and I think I think you've actually put it really perfect I think there is a a fine balance between having a plan sticking to a plan following that plan and having it sort of inform your decisions, but also being able to know yourself and trust yourself. And, you know, when sometimes things come and they are completely random and spontaneous, and that gives you a beautiful experience or a beautiful opportunity. And so being open, I think, to other things uh, that are not on your plan, um, I think is, it is a good way to sort of go through the world. Definitely, definitely. Um, so coming back to your work a bit, um, could you maybe tell us what fulfills you the most about working at LVMH or specifically? Yeah, so I would say two things. One is, and McKinsey's brilliant. I mean, like, you know, to think about the problem and, uh, and come up with the, the solution that we think would make sense without being part of that solution delivery and execution and testing and seeing if it would work and being like, okay, well, this doesn't work and how do I change it? And so being on the other side where I'm still working in an industry that I, I, I love, I love consumer. I, I love the whole idea of consumer product branding. And so, but just seeing it from a different side where it's not just the theoretical questions and not necessarily just the, you know, the, arm's length relationship I think that really it it does move me from day to day to know that I'm, I'm getting that more and more of that experience and I'm seeing things from a bit closer to the ground I think the second thing that I would say is of the last year and the role that I played at Fenty I mean it was absolutely inspiring to be part of building something And knowing that, you know, the decisions that we were making and crafting the way that, again, a brand would develop. Um, and I think it really does come back to the first point, which is just being on the other side of execution and being able to be responsible um, for impact and a solution and whatever the outcome of a decision or a thought process or a problem-solving exercise would be. Um, and so those you know, those inspire me, those keep me going, those make me, you know, more ambitious and more intentional about the work that I want to do um, and more desirous of more experiences like that. Especially that you found, you, you seem so like determined in what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very beautiful, but I can also imagine it wasn't always like that, especially like at our age, for example. And maybe could you tell us a bit about like how you basically found your passion for consuming you say now? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting actually. I haven't, I've given it some thought, but not, not enough. I mean, part of the, 
the experience that I got when I was working consulting is that you do, you just do a lot of things. You know, I did banking, I did mining, I did telco, I did consumer, I did sort of social development work. Um, but the thing that I kept coming back to was, you know, the consumer work. Um, and, and if I really do think back, to sort of my childhood, I'm pretty sure, I don't have the best memory, but I'm pretty sure that that was already there, right? In terms of, you know, liking products and being product oriented and, and being sort of people oriented. And so, you know, thinking about doing that in any space. And, and you know, you can do this in, in different spaces. You can do it in banking where you, you focus more on consumer and the relationship. So figuring out what that, what exactly around consumer or product or branding that I liked, I think was through my experience at McKinsey. Um, but even then I had to make difficult choices and say, well, this is something that I really want to do. And so therefore I don't want to do other things. And that in itself is, is, is an indication of your interest. If you're willing to sacrifice sort of other opportunities for something that you, you would like to do or you're curious about. So I think that helped me a bit. And I, and again, I think I'm still on the journey to figure out, well, what exactly is it within this space and how do I want to, you know, ideally create impact in this space. Um, but I know that when I'm working on it or thinking about it, I'm invigorated, if that's not a, <laughs> um, an ex ex uh, exaggeration of a word yeah definitely not yeah I think what really becomes clear also looking at your path is that you can you just have to try try out different things and you can become whatever you want like no matter what which path you chose initially I mean now you started with banking consulting and now you work rather in the fashion industry so like basically everything is possible. And right now I feel like there are a lot of, or in our age, it seems like the whole future, there's a lot of uncertainty about it. And you think that, okay, there's one internship you might choose or this first job you choose will determine your whole career. Whereas I think, especially nowadays, it's so easy to jump between different, different um, occupations and to really find your path by that and not to just be a doctor for the, okay, doctor might be a bad example, but not be this one profession for the rest of your life, but actually to be flexible within your work. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and if I, if I could go back to myself when I was at Imperial LSE, I would say exactly that, right? Just, you know, especially when you're in your early twenties, I mean, just use the opportunity to try things out. If you can, if you, I mean, and I think There's a, there's a bit of luck in that, an opportunity, of course. But if you can, just try things. You know, take up a couple of internships in very different spaces. If you can work for something like consulting where it exposes, exposes you to lots of different industries, try that. Um, if you get someone who says, look, I just need help in doing X, Y, and Z for my startup, do it. You know, I mean, like, what do you really have to lose? It's okay. Time where you could be like hanging out with friends or, you know, like just do it. Um, and I think that the point that you made around, you know, being a doctor and then setting you up for life, it's true. But also, I mean, I've seen multiple examples of people who previously doctors, mid thirties, they decide they want to change 
go into consulting, do something else. And I mean, that person could go on to lead like an oil and gas company. So, you know, there is still an opportunity to change things around. It gets harder, of course, as you get older and as you get more experience. But, you know, touch wood, there's always an option, you know? Yes. Yeah, I think that's so powerful to kind of hear that because... I think nowadays, so many people ask you at such a young age, what do you want to become? Like, what do you want to do? And you kind of have this pressure. Okay, I need to be this person. I need to define myself. Literally everything nowadays is kind of defining yourself. Like your Instagram bio, who are you? Like every, you just need to put yourself on like two words, basically, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not possible. We're all so much more than just this one person and this one characteristic or this one job. So I think it's so important to kind of be, kind of know that we are ever changing and we can evolve in so many different ways and change jobs and yeah, just have that freedom in in your mind as well, kind of. Yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, I was saying to my dad over the holidays, I think you're absolutely right, Annabelle, in terms of, you know, being able to evolve in your career. But you can also do that in your personal life. I mean, I was saying to that to my dad this Christmas and I was challenging him a bit. I was like, well, what are you learning now? And he's like in his late 60s, he's kind of like, I, I just want to relax. But I think there is, there is always an opportunity to sort of learn new things or do new things or pick up new things. And I think the pandemic has like force that in everyone's face to the extent that it's actually probably a little bit harmful because people then feel guilty. Like I should be doing X or I should be doing Y. But I think just knowing that, you know, tomorrow you can pick up a new hobby and dedicate the time and learn it and do it. And and that can give you so much enjoyment. I think is really, really good to know and good to, to be aware of because that, you know, there is always an open door and there's always an opportunity Yes, definitely. I think also being aware of that we do have enough time because nowadays, even even though like we have COVID and we have all the time in the world, it seems like everyone still, or I myself, I'm still rushing through my day and mm. like I don't have the time for certain things and want to like um con- like want to finish my things up um as fast as possible so that I have time for other things. But as you just said, we in our early 20s, we can try out as many things as we want to or try as many different professions, also try as many different hobbies concerning our personal life and really having this notion in the back of our minds that we do have enough time is so important, I think, and something we can all, or I myself can definitely learn from. I do think the thing there is, though, that it's you can't do everything all at the same time. So you have to be able to make choices, you know. Um, and even for myself, so right now I started the year saying I wanted to do a bunch of other things in my personal life and my hobbies. But then I, I sat down with myself and I was like, look, you're not, if you want to do all of these five things, you'll do them at like 10% of each one. What you might need to do is make choices and say, I need to prioritize one or two things. And sometimes one is enough. You know, I think sometimes we get so stressed out by wanting to do lots of things and be really good at everything. And, 
you know, that's what I keep telling myself. And that's one thing that I'm telling myself this year. Sometimes one thing is enough. And so pick that one thing, do it for six months, then pick something else up and then do that for six months. Well, during that period, you know, just try as much as possible to be disciplined and consistent and conscientious, but you don't have to do everything at the same time. So the, the fact is time is limited, right? And you won't have all of the time that you need. So make choices. Yeah, definitely. True. True. So Wande, what is your naked face? It's funny. Um, when I saw this question, I was like, well, this, the way that I look now is probably, it's probably very similar to my naked, naked face. But I think one of the things that the pandemic has blessed in all of us is that we're probably using, we're all wearing less makeup right now. Oh, um, yeah. And it's so wonderful. I mean, I think over the holidays, I probably wore makeup only five times because I was in Nigeria and then, you know, I was going to see family and going out, but I just wasn't wearing much makeup. And so it was wonderful. And so it's very close to what you see now, which is just, actually, I do pencil in my brows. <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember when I was at business school, one of my really good friends, she and I, I will never forget this conversation, but she and I were talking about something and she was like, I will never leave the house without penciling in my brows. And I was like, wow, that's a really insightful statement. And so since then, every day I make sure that I pencil in my brows. Um, but I mean, I just, and I, I've actually you know, I missed the whole first wave of the pandemic where everyone was doing like skincare and beauty things because I was just working a lot. Um, but now I'm just making sure that I'm following again, following routinely things that I do to my skin and really taking care of my skin more, more than just, you know, makeup. And so sometimes I'll actually, you know, cause we're going into the office right now, I'll go into work without any makeup, just with my eyebrows done, maybe a little bit of concealer and that's it. And like, it makes me feel free. Um, and it's interesting because I remember a friend of mine a couple of years ago used to go on and on about how women wear too much makeup. And, you know, of course I was like, well, women can do whatever they want to do. I mean, if they want to wear makeup, they can, if they want to go without, they can. Um, but I think now I'm at the point where I'm like, I just don't want to wear that much makeup, you know? And so it's just having a nice, you know, cleansed, moisturized face, eyebrows done and Maybe a few, a bit of concealer. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no. I also think skincare products like moisturizers or creams can make you feel even better than makeup because you can literally oh, yeah. feel how they actually um, treat yourself and your skin, other Absolutely. than kind of just wearing it off in a way. So I think absolutely, yeah, and also not having to cover yourself up, like, and putting kind of like a different cover on your face that you show different to the face, world, yeah. yeah, a different face, but being the same one day or same Annabelle, same Julia that you are <laughs> inside of your home, outside of your home. So Very true. yeah, I think I would never um, criticize a woman or like judge a woman for putting on too much makeup because. We're, we're women, we can do whatever we want, but at the same time, it's so powerful. I'm so happy for every woman who comes to that conclusion that they do not have to wear it. Like we yeah. started like using makeup products with like 
12 or 13 in high school. Yeah. And I think with like 15, 16, we were like, okay, maybe Stop. now boys are entering our lives, but we're, yeah. we're stopping using makeup now. I love that. Yeah. I love that. You know, one of the things that I found really funny very early on in the pandemic was there was this, uh, there's an article that came out around how French women, I think it was French women or maybe just French people, were torn between like either dressing up, uh, being at home, stuck at home, or just, you know, embracing loungewear um, and no makeup. And there was a real sort of contrast, like half of the population was still making up every day and the other half was like, this is me, love me as I am. So it's really interesting that I think more and more of the world is sort of seeing that, you know, you can be your authentic self and that's okay. And, you know, you can have a Zoom without makeup, still presentable, but, you know, it'll still be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel like what many people get wrong is that even though you don't put on makeup, it's not like you don't take care of yourself. Yes. Yeah, you can still have like nice creams and everything and kind of enhance your skin, but you don't have to cover it up. And I think that's mm. kind of like the important difference. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. yeah. Your brows still look dashing though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, and so like to kind of finish off and you touched on it earlier I think you you said something about your mantra so now we're intrigued and want to know what your mantra is so I you know towards the end of last year maybe end of last year I started challenging myself a little bit around things that I was learning and things that I was doing I was reflecting on feedback that I'd received in my career and I, I recognized that at some point, at some point, I was choosing things that were easier for me, right? So things that maybe came a little bit more naturally or things that I just, you know, was able to do. And so then I started to challenge myself, like, you can do hard things. And so that's my, I mean, it's maybe a little bit of a new mantra, but it, it reminds me, you know, if I need to sit through... A, you know, a podcast, not a podcast. If I need to sit through, not a podcast. If I need to sit through like a lesson or a, a lecture, that's what I was looking for, um, that I don't particularly find super interesting. It's not in my natural space. Like you can do it because A, it's interesting. It will be interesting. B, you will learn something. And so now I sort of keep telling myself like, you, one day you can do hard things. They won't be pleasant but you can do them. You can get through them. I mean, like, you know, no one ever came out with a grand success from something being easy. And so it's not about defaulting to things that are easier or things that are more natural for you, even though I think there is a fine balance between saying, I'm always going to put myself in the most difficult of situations. No one wants to do that. You won't succeed, right? Um, but when hard things do come up, it's okay to take them on and go through them. And sort of the only way to get through is through. So I, I remind myself, like, I can do hard things and I am capable and I'm able. And I think it's it's hopefully working for me. That's such a powerful <laughs> mantra. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Juan. This was such my pleasure. Thank it's you. so lovely to speak with you both. And, and I'm excited that, you know, more and more people are thinking about 
well-being and decision-making and and just helping and, and the fact that you are helping to educate your peers and your colleagues is really powerful so well done to both of you and it's been my pleasure to speak to you